The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast with me, Brian Welsh, and Jax Bruce. Jax, how are you today? Very well, Brian. Thanks. Back in the office after a nice away day last Friday with all the team, which was good fun. How are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm good. It was great fun, wasn't it? It's always yeah. good to get both of our um, teams together from the different offices. So, yeah, it was good. Thank you. Um, okay, so today we have our final full podcast of 2022, and we're delighted to be joined by a special guest, Kyle Murtagh, who we heard speak at the PMAS conference back in October. Kyle is a presentation skills speaker. In 2020, Kyle created and published a book, The Five Pillars of Effective Public Speaking, which I have to say I'm looking forward to reading, and it also received outstanding reviews. In 2021, he went on to become the European champion of public speaking, and competed in the world finals. I didn't even know there was such a thing, so I'm looking forward to find out about that. Um, today, we're going to chat to Kyle about how his skills translate to the office, working with the public, and dealing with challenging and difficult conversations. Kyle, thank you very much for coming on. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to be here with you both. I have to say, though, I'm gutted. I wasn't invited to the away day, but hey, another time in the future, right? <laughs> Yes, of course, of course, definitely, definitely. Okay, so um, for anyone listening that didn't hear you speak at the PMAS conference, tell us a bit more about you and the zombie apocalypse story. <laughs> okay, basically this is how I got started in public speaking. To give you some context, I was working for WWF at the time, uh, not the wrestling, the wildlife charity. Yes, yes. I should, I should probably state there. And basically, I was one of those annoying people on the street who was trying to stop you and get you to adopt a panda or a jaguar or a koala or, you know, something like this, trying to take your money um, in the street for the name of charity, essentially. And I was awful at it. I really was. Like, I could not get people to stop and listen to me no matter what I did. And I remember going into a, a co-op one day to get my, my meal deal for my lunch. And on the notice board there, there was a poster advertising a place where you could go along and practice public speaking. So I thought, well, I need some of that. I'm, I'm terrible at this public speaking stuff. So I went along and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and watch these people do their thing. But that's not how it went. And they got me immediately involved, um, you know, kicking and screaming. Basically, the way it worked at this place um, was that you'd be asked a question out of the blue. And basically what you had to do was answer that question in the form of a two-minute unprepared speech. So oh, wow. terrifying. Yeah. And my first ever question was, Kyle, if a zombie apocalypse happened in Glasgow, where would you go, big man? <laughs> oh, my Jesus Christ. What the heck is this? But, you know, I find myself up there. All these people, they're staring at me. And after what felt like years... I say two words, the pub, and then I sit back down, 
so that was my first ever introduction oh, wow. to public speaking, the pub. And uh, that's how it got started. And honestly, to be honest with you, Brian, when I sat back down, I felt pretty ashamed because I, I'd let the, the pressure, the, the fear of speaking get to me so much that I, I had crumbled publicly. Mm-hmm. And if anyone has cr- crumbled in public before, they'll know that you, you never, ever want to feel that again. Yeah. And that was the, the point for me where I made a decision to start investing in my speaking, to start trying to improve at this craft. And, you know, I started reading books on it, watching great speakers, going back to that place, practicing more of those impromptu speeches. And slowly I was able to, to let go of that fear and really enjoy my speaking. And that's when things began to take off for me. So, yeah, the zombie apocalypse will always be close to my heart. That's my starting point. That is that is not a surprise. That is not a surprise. And 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 coming from somebody who has entirely bombed in public speaking, yes, I do understand that um, what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. so your business is called Confidence by Design. Yeah. How or when did you realize that public speaking was mostly about confidence? Mm. Is that right to say that? I would say it, it's not necessarily mostly about confidence. Like confidence is the result of public speaking, I think. Okay. Basically, as I was going through this journey of practicing in this place and learning all these new skills, I began to realize that this isn't just helping with my, my public speaking. I'm not just becoming better when I speak to an audience. I'm becoming better anytime I speak, like in interviews, in that job with WWF, mm-hmm. on dates, whatever it was, my, my confidence in my communication improved. And that's why I called my business Confidence by Design, because, yes, I, I'm teaching public speaking, but the skill of public speaking filters down into all other areas of speaking. So ultimately, I think I'm, I'm helping my clients find their confidence when they speak in all occasions. And hence the, the name Confidence by Design. OK, that's that, that's really interesting, actually. Um, I mean, we've we've had a chat off air about my. Um, fear and hatred of public speaking. Um, so yeah, no, that that does make sense. Um, so <laughs> thinking about that, how do you take somebody who has an absolute fear of public speaking, as I do, to being a confident presenter? Yeah, well, I'm I'm a great believer that that confidence comes from competence. Okay. So actually teaching someone that the skills, and this is stuff that we're never taught in school, university, very rarely in the workplace either. Like actually learning how to use your body language effectively, how to use your voice so you hold attention, how to structure your presentation. All of these fundamentals actually give you a good solid foundation to grow as a speaker. So I'm a great believer in equipping people with those skills and then giving them an opportunity to practice, right? You can't just learn about it. You've got to actually do it. And that's the hard bit because the first time you do it, like like my first occasion, it's awful usually. You know, it, it's like a baptism of fire. But once you go again and try another time, you get a little bit better. And then the next time you're a little bit better. And again, you're a little bit better and you slowly begin to improve. So it's that combination, Brian, of, yeah, learning the skills, but then practicing them, receiving the feedback and just slowly trying to get 1% better each time. I think people get frustrated because it's not like that, right? It's not instantly i'll make your fear go away and here you are speak with confidence in front of a thousand people no it, it's a long journey but if okay. you do go on the journey this will this is a skill that will serve you for a lifetime it really will so i think it's a journey worth taking okay so 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 
I spoke last week at our company away day in front of I don't know, 12, 13, 14 people, something like that. That that does not challenge me in any way, shape, or form. I actually quite enjoy it. I just <laughs> like the sound of my own voice. Um, as, as as many people have said to me, <laughs> no, that's not necessarily me. So is it just a case of building up the numbers of people you speak to? Because you know, you know, 15 is fine, 50 would scare the living crap out of me. Yeah, I think it's all about how you label it in your head. So on right. that that team day, for example, you probably viewed that as, oh, I'm talking to my team. I'm yeah. chatting to my team. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't, a, oh, I'm doing a formal presentation to my team. You know, okay. just changing how you see it makes a big difference. I was speaking to a, a, video, a, a video expert yesterday, and he has a huge problem with getting clients to take videos. Because as soon as you put a phone in someone's face, yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. I, I can't do that, right? So what he says is, we're, we're not going to do videos today. We're just going to have a chat. And yeah. so he has a chat with people, and he just so happens to film them as they're doing so. And what happens by the end? Well, you have videos. So often just reframing how you see it makes a big difference. And I would imagine, Brian, that for that situation with your team, I'm speaking to my team. And then for yeah. the 50 people, oh, I'm doing a presentation. Yeah. And the word presentation has other connotations, which might make you, you seize up a little bit and, and uh, you know, um, hurt your, your mindset going into the situation. Does that make sense? It does, actually. And actually, it, 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 there's another point there, actually, because I did a couple of videos on oh, last Thursday, I think it was, for LinkedIn, okay? Mm-hmm. And I do, I do them, you know, kind of weekly or two-weekly for um, – and <clears> – <throat> One of the things I decided to do this time was I decided to you do it in an interview style mm-hmm. where I was not looking at the camera. I was looking at a, a another person. Yeah, so sort of like a side on you like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that was, it was just a chat. Like, this is a chat, yeah? Yeah. Um, but then the guy doing the video said, you know, we're coming in the new year. Why don't you do a piece to camera to say, this is the LinkedIn stuff I'm going to be doing this year. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. You know, an mm-hmm. hour later, we were still trying to record the damn thing, you know? Yeah. So it is, it is definitely a mindset thing. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And even, even what we're doing right now, we, all three of us, we're, we're speaking to camera, right? Yeah. We are actually talking to a camera, but it feels like we're talking to each other because yeah. we are right. But if, if we just take you away and I look at my camera, it creates a different feeling in my head. So you've yeah. always got to see the camera as a person in yeah. this situation. That's how you do with, with video. And when it comes to presentations, instead of seeing it as a presentation, see it as a conversation with right. the audience, right? So it's okay. just reframing it, which makes a difference going in. Okay. And I have to mention this, that we had three attempts to start because uh, because it was on video. <laughs> I've never had three attempts to start a podcast before, but never mind. But nobody will see that. Nobody will see that. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> okay, so so um, we've had discussions about how the property factoring sector can be challenging at times. And a lot of this yeah. is potentially around dealing with angry and upset customers. Mm-hmm. Navigating difficult conversations, being able to deal with how that affects people working in the industry. Um, can your training help with that? Yes, uh, yes, because I do stuff around how to deal with with difficult audiences, how to handle the demanding. That's how I like to put it. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is you know going in. If you're going into a situation where you know 
there are going to be complaints, where you know there's going to be people antagonizing you, prepare for that in advance, right? What are some of the things that they could come up with? Okay, maybe I write down five different complaints they may have. What are going to be my, my five different answers then to those complaints? You know, so, so for, yeah. preparing that in advance can help. Okay. And then also knowing how to deal with the difficult questions that yeah. come your way. You know, having a, a response, a, a structure in mind for your response can help tremendously. So yeah, any form of, of public speaking um, around whether it be handling the demanding or dealing with a friendly audience or any audience, yeah, I'm well into that and fascinated by it. Yeah, I can imagine. I say a couple of things. So I watched your video on dealing with a bulldozer in the office, <laughs> yeah. which I found fascinating. I, and actually, I've just been literally this morning being to pick up my other half's new car, right? And this car is 15 months late, okay, okay, because of various issues. And the guy I was chatting to, the guy who sold me the car, he said that now we, I think we waited pretty much the longest. You know, there was just problem after problem after problem. And then yeah. back in June, the company we were getting it from, or the car manufacturer, changed all its models. So actually, we couldn't even get the car we'd ordered. So we waited about 40 months, I think about the longest. And he said to me, this morning that he actually had to get someone else to phone me because he was utterly dreading mm. making that phone call to me. Um, and and But I was quite pragmatic about it because I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, now don't get me wrong, I probably have a reasonable temper and get annoyed about stuff, but, you know, there's nothing the guy could do about it. He didn't yeah. have to really decide that I was not getting that car and he was going to give it to someone else. Yeah. Um, so, you know... But it, it, it's that fear, you know, he, he said yeah. he had to have like 10 conversations with or conversations with 10 customers, nine mm -hmm. people screamed down the phone at him and the one person he expected to or actually possibly even had a right to do it, didn't do it. But I mean, mm -hmm. your training would have helped that situation as well, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it sounds like he built this scenario up in his yeah. head. And of course, he yeah. had those past nine experiences. So when he came to you, the 10th customer, he was like, oh, my God, I can't do I can't take yeah. this anymore. Yeah. This is going to be the worst one. This is going to end yeah. me, right? So it sounds like that situation occurred there. And yeah, perhaps preparing how to deal with customers who are facing delays is something that would have would have helped there. But I think there's a good point we can also transfer into, you know, AGMs or meetings like that for property factor managers. Yeah. Even if you do prepare for the, the worst case scenario, right? So you say you, you think it's going to be chaos when you get in there and you prepare in advance and you have all of your responses and all of that. If you do go in there and it's not chaos and it's actually quite pleasant or it's, you know, they're not as annoyed as you think, isn't it better to have that sort of, prepared yeah. in advance you know the worst case scenario and it's actually easier on the day as a result for you you know it, it takes the pressure off when you get in there so i always say it, it's always better to prepare for the worst case scenario and then if that doesn't show up well then you've got an easy day in front of you yeah i think yeah. It if you're, if you're not prepared it's going to be a lot worse yeah exactly and that the moment you don't prepare for the worst that's when the worst shows up right <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Fair point. Fair point. That's a good, good, good way to think about it. So, um, we spoke about your book at the beginning, which I'm, I'm looking forward to reading. Actually, tell us about your book and how it relates to property factoring. Uh huh. Well, in terms of property factoring, the the five pillars of effective public speaking is. Uh, let me use a property term. It's creating a foundation, a solid place to build upon. And basically, these are the five fundamental skills that you'll see in all great speakers, whether it's 
um, Obama or Oprah Winfrey or or anyone in, in the spotlight, you will see these fundamental skills in their speaking. I'll, I'll tell you what they are. They are firstly, body language, your nonverbal communication. Second, voice, how you hold people's attention. Third, structure, how you put together your presentation. Fourth, clarity, how clear your message is. And fifth, impact. And I define impact as leaving a lasting impression that inspires action. Because ultimately, why are we speaking unless people do something afterwards, right? We want to create change of some kind. So that's what the five pillars goes through. And from a property factor point of view, those five skills will help you in your AGM meetings or when you're dealing with clients face to face, because ultimately you're covering key information in those yeah. meetings. You need to hold their attention, right? You need your information to be clear. And often it's not just you taking action after you need the members of the, the property of the complex to do something after too. So that's yeah. where the impact piece comes in. Uh-huh. Okay. That's really interesting. The nonverbal part, because all the way through this, you've been very, kind of vocal with your hands, shall we say. And I've been kind of sitting, well, I'm standing, but I've been standing here leaning on my desk. So I think I have a lot to learn, to be fair. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, this all, when it comes to gesturing, gesturing is great because it it backs up your verbal message. And so many people are, are visual learners. So if I can gesture and it supports what I'm saying, I'm aiding their learning. But the other factor in this is if I don't gesture and I just become a talking head like this, this is, especially for online, the presentation becomes more boring. Yeah, it's sure. duller for you to watch me right now. It's less engaging because I'm just a talking head. But right. if I do gesture, there's a bit more movement and movement keeps the brain active and stops it from falling into a pattern and, and switching off ultimately. So that's okay. why I, I'm very animated. And it's just my style as well. I'm not yeah. saying everyone should do this, but it is my style. I think I'm half Italian, Brian. <laughs> okay okay actually to be fair when i do stand up or what i do in um meetings i am very animated yeah. with my with my hands but i i guess there's a camera here so i'm like speak to the camera <laughs> so. well i can see the gestures coming through i think possibly just the camera's not capturing them because they're below yeah. the screen potentially and um, so yeah. positioning online is really yeah. important as well so nothing you is captured in sure. the little uh, square box. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay, cool. Okay, that's really interesting. Right, so, and finally, we have a new question um, because Block Talk's been going for just over a year now. We have a, we have a, a different ending question now. Cool. Um, tell us something about you that people are generally surprised to find out about you. Generally surprised to find out. Um, I used to be incredibly shy. So when I was uh, a kid, um, people would often say, Kyle, can you even speak? Like, like it was that bad. I, I was so quiet in class. I was so quiet in my, my football teams. I, I just didn't have the confidence to, to express myself at all. And I think this is partially why public speaking is so important for me, yeah, because sure. it really helped me find my voice and, and come out of my shell more. You know, and, and it's a long journey. And been, I've been uh, working on myself, been involved in self-development for about 10 years. But that's where I began. I began as a very introverted, low self-esteemed um, person who I, I never really saw myself as being this individual who would be able to be outspoken and express themselves. Yeah, sure. So that, I think everybody has a starting point. And people think that everyone who's good at public speaking are naturally extroverted. 
And that's just not the case. In fact, actually, I would argue introverts are better public speakers okay. because an introvert is more in tuned with their audience in many cases. Yeah. Like they, they are more empathetic. They're more thinking about their audience. I'm generalizing here, but extroverts tend to think more about themselves and right. being the center of, of attention. And that's yeah. not what public speaking is about. Yeah, It's not okay. about making you look good. It's about helping the audience as much as you can. Giving them value. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the introverted perspective can be can be very valuable. But of course, you need the extroverted traits to hold the attention. So it's yeah. a it's a balancing act. Yeah. OK, perfect. Right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. That's been absolutely brilliant, Carl. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. It's been an honor, Brian. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks.